Okay, so in the last one, you might remember, we heard about how the believers are really encouraged by the boldness of Peter and John in that they preached the word without fear of what the Jewish leaders would do to them. And then the believers prayed for God to give them more boldness to continue preaching, not to be afraid. And there was a lot of encouragement among the people. And we heard about one guy named Barnabas. His real name was, I, I just forgot. But Barnabas was like his nickname because it meant son of encouragement. And uh, he sold something that belonged to him, like a field, and gave them money to share with everybody who was in need. So a lot of people were like, well, this is really great. This is a really like great like fruit of faith. And they were all sharing everything. Yep. And it was a thing that many of the believers were doing. Where they were saying, well, I'm gonna, I want to do that too. I want to share everything with, with, with the other believers and those who are in need. Well, there was a man named Ananias, and he had a wife named Sapphira. And they had a piece of property that they sold too. And together, they decided this is what they were going to do. They sold the land for a certain amount of money, they kept part of what they sold it for for themselves, and they gave part of what they sold it for to the apostles to Is give to everyone. It could be. There's nothing wrong with that. You'll notice that in everything we've read so far, it, no one ever said, hey, you Christians, you have to sell everything you have and share it with everyone else. It was just something that some people started doing because they wanted to. So these two decided to sell their land and give part of it to the, to the church and keep part of it for themselves. There wouldn't be anything wrong with that. But they said that they gave all of it. So why would they do that? They didn't have to give all of it. Why did they come and tell the church, hey, look, we try? gave everything that that we made from selling this land to the church. Why would they do that? Yeah, they wanted to look really awesome. They're like, everybody was like, whoa, that was really cool what Barnabas did. And they were like, oh yeah, check it out. We did it too. Look at us. That is the sinful nature. It always does what it does for other people to look at us. That's why in one place, Jesus- That's why Jesus, I said you can't. Right. In one place, Jesus said that when we're like doing something nice, he said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. In other words, don't do nice things so that other people will know you're doing nice things. And, you know, they'll sometimes notice anyway. It's not wrong for them to notice. But don't do it so that they notice. Do it because you love Jesus and because of what Jesus has done for you. All right. Well, when they brought this money to Peter and said, hey, this is a... Uh, this is what we sold the field for. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds? When it was yours and you hadn't sold it, it was your own, wasn't it? And after you sold it, it was yours, wasn't it? You didn't have to do this. So why have you contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Peter is pointing out, Ananias, when you came and told the church that you had sold it for everything in order to make everybody so impressed with you, you weren't just trying to lie to people. You were lying to God because it is God, the Holy Spirit, who creates the church. 
and who is in the midst of his church. So when Ananias heard these words, he fell down dead on the spot. He's dead? Yes. And great fear. He was the Ananias and Sapphira were the married couple that did that lie. So great fear came upon all who heard it. And the young men, he died. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Well, a little while later, about three hours later, his wife Sapphira came in and she did not know what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me, did you sell the land for so much? And she said, yeah, for that much. But Peter said, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out too. And immediately she fell down and breathed her last. And when the young man came in, they found her dead and they brought her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Why do you think God would do that? Do you think God, does God strike dead everyone who ever lies in the church? Uh, no. No. Ananias and Sapphira right here are examples of. Because everyone lies. Right. They're examples of hypocritical behavior. They're pretending to be something that they are not because they want everyone to look at them. Do you think other people ever do that in the church? Yeah, they do because that's what people are like. Sometimes in the world, people like to say, well, I don't want to be a Christian because Christians are hypocrites. And it's like, bro, people are hypocrites. What a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone who pretends to be what they're not. So it's a kind of lying. Like they're being hypocrites here because they're pretending they sold it for this much, but not really. That's also like a deeper kind of hypocrisy because the reason to be a Christian is to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. It's not so other people will look at you and say, oh, look how awesome they are. But our sinful flesh wants everybody to look at us and say, look how awesome they are. And so sometimes we use being a Christian for that reason. So Ananias and Sapphira, it seems, weren't Christians because of Jesus. Or maybe they were before and then they weren't anymore. But they wanted everybody to see their own righteousness instead of trusting in Jesus' righteousness. So sometimes people will say that, well, Christians are hypocrites. And it's like, "Uh, yeah, we are, because we're sinful human beings. That's why we're at church. We don't, that we're at church because we need Jesus, because we're sinners and hypocrites. And some people just don't want to believe in God. They're like, I'm not going to believe. So if God doesn't always do that, every time there's a hypocrite, in fact, he almost never does, why did he do it with these two? Yeah, he wanted to teach them, right, that being a Christian wasn't just for, you know, some social recognition or so other people would look at you and say, look how great they are. And he wanted great fear to come upon the church. He wanted them to be afraid of the power of and judgment of God against unbelief. He wanted them to remember the real reason for the church. Yes, Mark? Normally, because normally what... God that Jesus wants yeah. is normally what happens, but sometimes, like... Well, it, everything that happens is what God wants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't want people to go to hell, but... Yeah. Well, that depends on what you mean. God, we... This, this gets a little bit complicated in terms of theological terminology, but um, on the last day, when God sends people to hell, he will send people to hell because he wants to at that point. He did not 
originally want them to go to hell. His desire in sending Jesus into the world was that everyone should be saved, and he did not, from eternity, want any people to be damned. That's what we call God's antecedent will, meaning beforehand what he wanted was everyone to go to heaven. But we also call God's consequent will. That means like afterwards. That means like as a consequence. So God's will for those who reject Jesus is that they should go to hell. If they, if it wasn't, they wouldn't. And God desires justice, and that is justice. Right. And well, and his just there's there's justice. In the forgiveness of sins in Jesus, or if that is rejected, Dad. then then um, there's there's hell. Yes, Samara. Are like people that are alive gonna go to heaven? Like if Judgment Day comes while people are still alive, yeah. you mean? Yeah, because what heaven's gonna be forever is God making a new world. And living with us there. So, like, let's say that Jesus comes back in five seconds. And, well, if someone's, you mean, like, are they in the womb or they haven't been conceived yet? They haven't, are they in the womb? They're in the womb? Well, then if they're a believer, they'll go to heaven too. Well, what about if they're, like, they're going to be, they're supposed to be born, but they're not actually born yet. Oh, everyone who God wants to be born will be born before the end of the world. God knows exactly when to make the end of the world. Right? He knows all these things. We don't know these things. These things are beyond us. We couldn't understand these things. We couldn't understand the best time. But God knows these things. Anyway, so the apostles were doing all kinds of signs and wonders. And the people were were gathering together to watch them and to hear them and they held them in high esteem and more and more people were being added as believers in the Lord. So they even started doing this. They would carry the sick people into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that as Peter walked by, his shadow might fall on them. And if it did, they would be healed. They gathered from all the towns bringing the sick. No, the sick. He didn't say the dead here. They brought the sick and those who had demons, and they were all healed. So Peter was performing these miracles, and the other apostles were too. But remember, they had some enemies also, the high priests and the Sadducees. That's the party of the high priests. And they were filled with jealousy. Why do you think they were jealous about? Yeah, because the people were like, whoa, guys, you see what the apostles are doing? That Jesus really must be risen from the dead. And they did not like that. So they arrested the apostles and put them in prison. No, no, no. The but, people were like, hey, you can't do that. Hey. Well, the people didn't have to even get involved because during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. What does that mean, this life? All the words of this life? What is that? Yeah, Jesus is the life. He's saying, go and keep on preaching the word about Jesus just like you have been. And don't be afraid of those ninnies and their prisons because I took you out of prison now and I can do it again. So when the high priests came 
and called the council. <gasps> they sent time. they sent to the prison to have them bring the apostles. Because they were like, well, we put those apostles in prison overnight. Now they're going to be good and scared. We're going to bring them to our council, and then they're going to listen to us. Yes, Samara? Oh, there was a different time that was, that was, that it was like this. Yeah, they keep trying to put them in prison, and it doesn't work. Yeah. But when the officers came to the prison, there was no one there. Yeah. So they came back and they said, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, there was no one inside. Imagine that. The guards didn't know that the apostles had gone. And the prison doors were still locked. And they're like, how did they get out? Why do you think God did it that way? He could have done it where it was obvious that the doors were open. But why do you think he did it this way? It would be for them to marvel and to know that God had performed a miracle to bring them out. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard this, they were greatly perplexed. They were like, how could that happen? And they were wondering what this would, would come to. And someone said, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. That's what you arrested them for. And now they're back out and you didn't know where they were. And somehow they got out of jail and they just went back and started preaching again. So they brought them, but not by force. They were like, "Why don't you get, can you guys come with us, please? But they didn't want to bring them by force because they were afraid of being stoned by the people because the people really liked the apostles because, you know, they were healing all the sick. So when they brought them, they put them before the council and the high, high priest questioned them. He said, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. He means the name of Jesus, but it just seems like he doesn't really like to even say Jesus. You keep saying this name. Yet, here you have filled Jerusalem with this teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. That's very ironic, because when the chief priests were trying to get Jesus crucified, Pilate said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. And then they said, his blood be on us and on our children. And now, Peter's actually not trying to bring... What do you, it depends what you mean. They mean, when they say bring this man's blood on us, what they mean is... You're trying to get us in trouble so that the people will kill us because they'll think that we put an innocent man to death, which they did. Peter isn't actually trying to bring Jesus' blood on them in that way, but he has been teaching the people that the blood of Jesus forgives sins. Later in one of his epistles, Peter writes, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So Peter and the apostles answered and they said, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. But God exalted him at his right hand as leader. Uh, they call the cross a tree because it's made of wood. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we're witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. So they're saying the Holy Spirit is when performing these miracles. And that's to prove that God really raised Jesus from the dead. So when the council heard this, they were enraged and they wanted to kill the apostles. But one of the Pharisees was named Gamaliel. And he was a teacher of the law who was held in honor by all the people. And he stood up and he ordered for the apostles to be put outside. And he spoke to the other people in the council. And he said, be careful about what you're doing with these men. You guys remember there was this dude a while ago named Thutis. And he claimed to be someone. He's explaining he claimed to be somebody, to be somewhat important, maybe he claimed to be a messiah or a prophet. And some people joined him and followed him. There was like 400 men who followed him, but he was killed. And when he was killed, everyone who followed him was dispersed and it came to nothing. It, it, it was over. And after him, there was this guy named Judas the Galilean. 
And he rose up in the days of the census. That probably means in the time of the census when Jesus was born, you know, came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. That's probably what he's talking about. And uh, he drew away some people after him, but he died too. And everyone who followed him scattered because guess what? If you're following a guy and he just dies and stays dead, then obviously he wasn't like the Messiah. So you just, just falls apart. But in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man and not from God, it'll fail just like it did with those other men. But if it is from God... Not only will you not be able to stop them, but you might be opposing God. Do you think that was good advice? What? That he gave them? He said, guys, quit trying to, quit trying to stop these apostles from preaching in the name he, of Jesus. Because no. he said, he said, no. it's one of two things. He no. said, when they're preaching that Jesus rose from the dead, it's either true or it's not true. Isn't that, is that right? It's either true or it's not true, right, Samara? Yeah. Those are the only two options. Either Jesus rose from the dead or he didn't rise from the dead. If he did rise from the dead, then, then it's from God. And if it's from God, are they going to be able to stop it? No. Nothing that they do will be able to stop it. And they shouldn't want to stop it if it's from God. If it's not from God, it's going to stop on its own. So they don't need to try to stop it. This is good advice that he gives them, and they actually listen to him. This doesn't mean that Gamaliel was a believer, although if he followed his own advice, he would have become a believer later, but we never find out about that. So they listened to his advice. They took the apostles. They didn't entirely listen because they still beat them and told them to stop preaching in the name of Jesus, but then they let them go, and they left the presence of the council. The apostles did rejoicing. Do you think that you would be rejoicing if you got arrested for preaching about Jesus and then beaten and they said, don't you talk, talk about Jesus anymore? Do you think you'd be rejoicing? Yay! They were rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Because it was uh, no, just what Jesus no. told them. You remember what Jesus said once? He said, he said, when people, when people treat you shamefully and persecute you for my sake, Rejoice and be glad, for your names are written in heaven. So, if people ever are mean to us, or don't like us, or make fun of us, or even worse, because we preach about Jesus, that's no reason to be angry or um, mean to them. It's a reason to be like, oh, Jesus said this would happen. He said we could rejoice when this happens. So every day they kept preaching teaching everyone in every house that Jesus is the Christ. <laughs>